are listening to the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Enjoy the show. <laughs> hey folks, Justin here. Just a quick word before we dive into this week's episode. First off, just want to say thank you to our own Henry Mulder for conducting this interview with Dee Snyder that you're about to hear. Obviously, there were time constraints as Dee is a very, very busy man. I wasn't able to make it myself, but Henry delivered. So big thank you to Henry. And if you guys don't know, Henry is also an editor of the Dark Corner magazine, which is a fanzine for weird fiction, cosmic horror, sword and sorcery, all that good stuff. And there's six issues. I believe is out for pre-order, so make sure to check out the dark corner for Henry. Anyway, that brings us to Mr. D. Snyder. If you don't know, D just released a new album called Leave a Scar, which has been released already. You can pick that up at Napalm Records or wherever the hell you want to buy it, honestly. Alright, that's enough out of me. Obviously, you're here to listen to D. Snyder, so without further ado, here you go. Hello. The summer is over. I am in command. What was that? For that little outburst, each and every one of you will spend three hours in detention today, immediately after school, in the basement. What do you think you're doing? Twisted sister. What kind of a man desecrates a defenseless textbook? I've got a good mind to slap your fat face. You are destroying your life with that, that, that garbage. All right, Mr. Sister, I want you to tell me. No, better yet, stand up and tell the class. What do you want to do with your life? Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. Let's talk. All right. Well, let's do my little spiel for the beginning of the podcast and we'll get started, shall we? This is Monsters, Madness, and Magic with your host, Henry. I have a special guest today, a living metal legend. The time has in no way slowed down. Please give a welcome to D. Snyder. D, how the hell are you? I'm doing great. Well, people who are listening, I'm glad I decided to sh- to do this in my skull room, my skull and bones room, because it seems appropriate for your show. <laughs> so we're only, what, a week out from the release of your latest album, Leave a Scar? It seems the reviews are just been raving. Yeah, reviews are great. The audience reaction for people hearing it finally are great and it's such a sweet relief because and this is a this goes for all creatives you know when you when you start working on some new creative idea it comes from inspiration and you have that moment where you're going i got a great idea this is going to be awesome 
this is amazing. And then you go in the studio and you're working with your team and they're like, whoa, this is, this is incredible. Somewhere in the process, the exclamation point turns to a question mark. And what started as exclamations were now, is this incredible? Is this amazing? Are they going to love this? So all this self-doubt creeps in. It sucks. It's part of its creative's curse. And so now that it's finally out and people are reacting, it's great to say, oh, yeah, people like it. It was a good idea. I've had the album on repeat the last couple of days. I got to say, uh, In For The Kill might be possibly my favorite song on the whole album. I think that's, I mean, all of the songs, especially your first single, I Gotta Rock Again, it just hook, line, and sinker just caught me. And I've just been listening to it ever since. In For The Kill is an interesting song. I'm glad you like that one. But that was a song where I found myself questioning the words I was using, the metaphors I was using, due to the state of censorship, which has gone from a puritanical, right-wing, conservative 80s thing. Now it's gone more of a left-wing, liberal, you can't say that, it offends people thing. And I had to check myself. I was angry at myself as a guy who fought censorship that I was limiting my creative process by questioning words because that's a that's a writer's tool is a metaphor. How could you how could you not have metaphor? Leave it to lawyers to decide if it's acceptable for the public. But you got to just write and create. And I was like, what are you doing, man? So I really was bugged the fact that that sensibility had creeped into my psyche to the point where I was checking myself. And in for the kill was a song. I went in for the kill, fire at will. Oh, I said, wait a second. Ah, death reference, gun reference. People might be upset about that. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Write your damn song. Don't worry about that, you know, because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to create. Well, metal's always kind of been that uh, genre that's always pushed the boundaries no matter what point of time it finds itself in, whether or not it was the 80s and the satanic panic and the backlash and now with kind of the more left PC culture. So it seems like you've just continued to keep at that kind of front of just expressing whatever the hell you want and just go for it. Well, we need to, you know what I mean? I, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, I'm not the guy who's going to scream fire in a crowded movie theater, which is, you know, the, that's when people say, well, what's freedom of speech and what's crossing the line, you know, and, and you know, and that's, that's where the line has traditionally, you know, to, to explain the line, people have said, you know, that's not free speech. That's dangerous. You're endangering lives. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're infringing on other people's rights by doing, taking an action like that. But, uh, you know, look, I've been, I've been saying recently when the first word was spoken somebody said you can't say that <laughs> <There's> been, <laughs> censorship has always existed it will always exist there will people are always going to try to limit what we do and what we say and it's our job as creatives to push those boundaries and you know and and maybe it's the job of people conservatives or you know or sensitive hypersensitive liberals to say you know hey you can't do that you can't do that so maybe that maybe that's just the way it works i don't know but my job keep pushing so leave a scar this was the second time you worked with jamie josta from the lead singer of hate breed and kingdom of sorrow how was that process of coming to coming back to him because i think he previously produced did some songwriting for for the love of metal so to come back with him again for leave a scar how was that process first of all this is the first time i've ever used the same producer two records in a row and that says something about my experience with jamie and with for the love of metal there are some people who know others don't that was literally done on a dare 
I was on Jamie Johnston's podcast and he challenged me to do a contemporary metal album. And I was like, he's like, D, your voice is strong as ever and we need your voice. And I was like, well, I love metal and all its forms, old, new, I'm a fan. My kids have kept me in tune, but I just don't know where I fit. And Jamie said, I know exactly where you fit trust me. So I did a real trust fall with Jamie. And, you know, he brought in the songs, a lot of the people from the community, from Lamb of God, Disturbed, Killswitch Engage, all these different people came in, stepped up, contributed to the writing of the album and creating the D. Snyder sound, if you will. And, you know, and when they brought me the songs, I was like, I love this. And now with the success of the ra that record, I understood where my place was. So this record, while Jamie was the producer again, Jamie, me and Charlie Belmore, my guitar player we did all the writing for this album one of the nicest guest stars on this album was corpse grinder from cannibal corpse obviously in which made time to choose just pop it was the roaring and it was fantastic can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and how you kind of brought corpse grinder into the mix on that i'm really proud to say that contrary to some people's opinion who assume that jamie Josta thought of it it was my idea <laughs> Jamie calls me OGD. He said, because I'm always trying to make it harder and heavier. And we were recording Time to Choose, which was actually, we had finished the album, 12 songs, and Napalm Records said, we need a bonus track. And people know what bonus tracks are used for to get people to buy alternative versions, other cuts, we'll put it on the colored vinyl, whatever. So we wrote Time to Choose and we were recording it. And in between takes, vocal takes, I said, you know who'd be great on this? George Fisher. And Jamie looked at me like, George Fisher who? Like he thought he must be talking about some guy from the 70s or something, like the <laughs> bass player of Free. I don't know. Like I was like, Corpse Grinder. You couldn't believe that I was suggesting Corpse Grinder. He goes, OGD, man, you're always making it harder and heavier. And Corpse Grinder apparently is a fan of mine. Well, I now know he was a fan of mine. And he was stunned. And I didn't realize it was such a big deal for a heritage classic metal artist to share a song, invite, reach across the aisles to use a, a, a current phrase and invite someone from that world to sing with him. And uh, if anything, people from my world usually either ignore death metal or, or make fun of it. That's not metal. That's not singing, you know, uh, but I see all metals value. And I just thought it would really make the song pop. As you said, it was such an aggressive song to begin with. And I thought his get the next roar growl on there we just take it to the next level and then it went from being a bonus track it moved up to being one of the singles you know you kind of brought an interesting point though going back to the generations of metal now it does seem that the newer generate and the newer generations of metal heads they're always kind of coming back to the and we call them classics but the one but the albums that have stood the test of time have you have you found that new fans and old fans alike came together with their positive reception of this album or does it seem like the newer generations are accepting it more and the older ones are kind of pushing back a little bit on it oh look we, we got you know we've got the old older fans who are just stuck in their ways you know i call them the soundtrack of your life people you know and and they've got that music they grew up on and they are budging those are the ones that say there's no good music anymore no good there's no more good music Musicians, you know, all the great players came from the 70s. You know, it's all BS. They're just not opening. Their eyes aren't open. They're not going to the shows. They're, they're not listening to the new stuff. But for the, but Jamie viewed D. Snyder as his bridge artist, an artist who can have one foot in the past and one foot in the present and connect the dots, so to speak. And, you know, and that's what seems to be true. A lot of younger people are really embracing D. Snyder. And I mean, I, I, I was did an in-store 
Uh, I was on for the last album, and they and the store owner told me that kids came in looking for the D. Snyder record, and he mentioned, "Oh, you Twisted Sister fans," and they said, "Who's that?" So they had heard my songs, and to me, that was the greatest compliment of all. Not that I want people to forget my band, but to be acknowledged for by young people for what you're doing now. So that was great. And then you got older fans. There are some who are open to you know newer sounds. And and by the way, you know a lot of the influences you hear on there are you know Metallica, Anthrax, which is not new. You know hardcore. You know, Hatebreed's been around for 20-something years. These, these bands aren't new bands. They're not baby bands anymore. So, I mean, it's just not 80s sounding metal. It's more contemporary sounding metal. I know but in 2016, Twisted Sister finally laid down the guitars and disbanded. And you were kind of for a period of time, you know, there have been rumors that you were going to kind of finally retire and everything. Was it COVID that kind of reignited your passion to get back at it and start a new album? Well, you know, you got, you know, for the love of metal, this is not, that's the last uh, Josta record you were Josta. I didn't plan on doing that. I went into a podcast with Jamie Josta and he challenged me and I'm a sucker for a dare. So, so uh, I was like, all right, let's try it. And, and just tell people, remind people we had no record deal. So we went into the studio on our own dime and put together this album and all these great people who came and joined us, nobody got a penny. It was just like, for the love, that's what we call it for the love of metal. People were fans of mine. They wanted to see D Snyder reconnect with the community and they all just wanted to help. And it turned into a great album for me. After that, I said, again, I said, you know what? Drop the mic. I think I'm done. I told the band, I told Jamie, I told management, I told my family in 2019, I'm done recording. I'm done doing live shows. And then it was COVID. It was the state of the world that had me feeling this need to write. I hadn't written anything since 95 and I needed, I had something to say, you know, and I needed to do another record. So it really was inspired by the times and the record is completely reflecting the world that we are in. One of the things that stood out about Leva Scar is the fantastic artwork. Were you involved in picking that out and kind of designing it or did you approach a specific artist and your art is what I need for this album or was that kind of part of the Palm record? helping with that so amy just likes to work with a, a guy named marcello and i don't know his last name it's really sorry marcello but maybe you should just go by marcello and he does work covers for slayer and he, he does like real metal album covers and i like the idea of having a real metal album cover and by that i mean one of those covers that you look at the artwork and it makes you think like what, what's going on here you know and i never really did those i would always have either have a logo or a picture of me or whatever so when marcello heard i had the title leave a score and he heard a couple of songs and we talked to him a little bit about the inspiration and he the next day delivered that cover art he he had an inspired moment and a i love that he was inspired i love i love that kind of creativity where just you have something to say and it pours out of you the next day i mean he painted that painting so and i loved it but i was looking at the cover and it's got if you haven't seen it yet it has a, a, a human heart scarred human heart chains has hooks and chains and it's in this gothic thing and there's a doorway and blood's pouring out the steps i mean it really gets you like your brain just thinking and i said i love it man i need one thing he said what i said that doorway i need light coming from that doorway because i'm a believer i try i've always tried to say there is hope 
I'm a living proof that there is hope. And when I write songs, you know, down but never out, let's say, you know, it's all about getting the shit kicked out of us during COVID. But it's not just called down. It's called but never out. And it's about we can get back up. We can beat this thing. We can win. We will not be defeated. You know, so I'm that guy. So I said, even though it's bleak and it's dark, and, and believe me, I've got a lot of scars on this heart, no doubt about it, there is light and people need to know. And so he said, I totally get that. And if you look at it, there's light coming out of the doorway and some doves too, I think. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell them anything about doves. I said, okay, doves, whatever. And as long as people know there's hope. When you were first going back in the studio and you were recording, how did it feel to kind of go back and finally, because in a lot of ways, this very much was a project from the singing, the songwriting, the music composition all together. It all from the ground up is very much your work. How did, how did it feel to finally kind of come back after all this time in there and have that full range of control? It felt amazing because it was inspired. You know, th there are times, many times in history where bands have been told, you got to go back in the studio and make a record. And, you know, hell, I mean, the last Twisted Sister album, Love is for Suckers, that was a forced job. And it was supposed to be a solo album. And then the record company pushed and management pushed the band to get back together. And we weren't we weren't liking each other very much. And ultimately it caused the demise of the band. I firmly believe that they let me just go do my solo album and come back a couple years later, the band never would have broken up and we would have just kept going. But instead they forced us and it didn't, it was not an enjoyable process. So when you have that moment of inspiration, and I had a couple of them, flashpoints. One, I'm on social media and I'm railing against the state of the world, rallying the troops, trying to get people to push back, fight back. And then someone said, D, we don't all have your platform or your voice. And it made me think, I said, whoa, I'm, I am, I'm a voice. I've always been a voice for the voiceless. And I do have a platform and people are paying attention to me and I'm not using my platform. So I shouldn't be doing this on social media. I should be doing what I do creating music, writing songs, and, and recording music, and let that speak for me. So that was one really huge flashpoint. Another one was just that inspired moment. And this was goes right earlier, right around that same time, I should say. And I was just one day, I always work from song titles. And one day, like mid-COVID, and I just like, I got to rock again. And then I laughed to myself. I said, I said, boy, that's a D. Snyder's song title, if I've ever heard one, you Mr. <laughs> I want to rock. You can't stop rock. I believe in rock, 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 rock. And I wrote it down and I looked at it. And I said, I got to believe that everybody in the world is feeling this right now, that everybody is feeling how I'm feeling. I got to rock again. We've been stuck in our houses. Who thought rock and roll would be shut down the way it was shut down? And using that song title, that was a launch because I work off song titles and, and the album built from there. Do you have any plans to try to go on tour anytime soon? Or is this very much very much going to be a, kind of your expression until things calm down a little bit more? I definitely want to be a part of the return. I want to be there when we all come out of the, the fallout shelters and our <laughs> houses. And when we really return to, we're seeing it. You know, we're seeing Lollapalooza. We're seeing these moments. But there's still this and I know it's true. You know, I've talked to people going to concerts. It's still this trepidation. That's the word. People are aware, too self-aware of COVID, too self-aware of their environments. And even though they're saying, fuck it, or I'm vaccinated or whatever they're saying, we're still thinking about it. We shouldn't, we didn't used to think about it. We just used to go and have a good time, you know, and, and have fun and share a beer, you know? Uh, and I mean, and so I, 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 so right now, that's still the way it is. I've got a, a single show that I'm doing in uh, next this month in uh, Illinois, 
And I was just calling today going, so what's the state of the, you know, because the rules are changing every day. So I, I want to hold off until 2022. And then I know, I know people say, well, yeah, but they said that about 2021. No, 2022, we will have so- sorted it out. It won't, I'm not saying it'll be gone. But we will truly have figured it out. I want to be there to sing You Can't Stop Rock and Roll with a meaning that I never thought it would have. I wrote that song about my teachers, my parents, my bosses. I never imagined something would actually stop rock and roll. And I want to sing that song with new importance, new meanings. And I know the audience is going to raise their metal horns in righteous in righteousness. And we will sing together. You can't stop rock and roll. I tell you, the metal fans out there, that community, they have, they have stayed together through this and they're extremely supportive and a lot of great albums have released during this time and have been pushed forward because of the fans. So I know that just from what it sounds sounds from you that it sounds like in a lot of ways the fans have kind of kept you going in some in some times. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, they stopped the concerts, but they didn't stop the heavy metal hearts that are beating out there. And, you know, social media, we've shared, we've communicated. I released a live album in the meantime and a live stream event, and which, by the way, uh, you can still see. I, I, I shot it in June at a real valley in, in COVID. So it wound up being going from originally booked as like a social distance, 200 people. And by the, the night of the show, things had opened up so much in June. They just threw the doors open and the place was packed. It was great. Great. So that's actually on metaldepartment.tv, metaldepartment.tv for the month of August. You can uh, tune into that and check it out. But yeah, so uh, the metal community has certainly been alive and thriving. But like I said, as in my video for I Gotta Rock Again, I had this headbanger chained to a chair watching TV and finally just breaks the chains loose, and just smashes the TV. And it's sort of like this fuck it moment, you know, that we're all feeling. I got to get out of the damn house. So it's, it's coming, people. It's coming. People can go to Napalm Records and pick up your latest album on vinyl, CD, along with T-shirts. Where else can the fans find you now? Yeah, you know, it's all, it's, it's available on I mean, Target and Amazon and all these places online that, you know, you get CD, Apple, you know, you can download it digitally. But, you know, and, you know, and I'm always making the plea for all musicians and, you know, and not just, you know, yeah, I'm one of the rich ones and I'm blessed. So thank you. But at the same time, bands should be paid for their work. It costs them money literally to record it. And especially these young bands, I'm not talking about myself. I mean, you, people think Spotify is an income source. They see a million streams and they go, well, these guys are rich. Well, a million streams translates to $4,000 and a million streams Little little bands dream of a hundred thousand streams, and a hundred thousand streams is four hundred dollars. And the band splits that four hundred dollars, so they each got a hundred bucks for their song. What does that do? Dinner with the family? You know, they're not quitting their day jobs, and believe me, they're working day jobs, especially now because they can't play. So uh, they haven't been able to play. So you know, consider I, you know, and I'm all about you know. Look, I used to hear music on the radio. And that's why I got turned into a band. You didn't have to pay for the songs on the radio. You don't have to pay to listen to the songs, you know, on Spotify or whatever. But if you do like the band, go and pay for their, you know, for their their album, their download or whatever, and and show your respect and appreciation by actually buying what they worked so hard to create for you to enjoy. Okay, and uh, that's all I ask. All right. Well, I know we're coming up on the kind of the end of the block here, but do you have anything else you wanna wanna say before we leave? I want to say that Leave a Scar is, could be the most important album of my life, lyrically. Whereas the other albums were all me raging against, you know, like I said, parents, teachers, bosses, 
ex-girlfriends, the dicks, yeah, the, the cool kids, you know, it seemed very important to me at the time. This record was motiv- came out of the COVID experience, the political state of the world. It's not just the United States. It's all over the world. This unrest, this, 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 this hostility, this taking sides and ugliness is going on all over the world. And all of this album is inspired. And from, you know, and, and a lot of it's about what's going on. And also because I am the most metal of ages, 66, six, <laughs> um, I am, I have been around. I've seen a lot and, and I'm sharing what I've seen with people. And there's a lot of people who, you know, say, Diva, you're one of the few voices of reason out there. And that's what I do try to be. I'm not extreme left or extreme right. I'm, I'm like most of us. Guy in the middle, I lean a little left. I lean a little right. I'm a, I'm a woman's right supporter and I'm a concealed carrier. People go, huh? You know, Vice call me a gun-toting feminist. You, you can, you, it, you don't have to be all or, or one or the other. You can be in the middle. And guess what? The vast majority of us are somewhere in here trying to figure it all out. And we are allowing true minorities on the left and the right to the loudest voices in the room and they are steering the ship and they think they're they're they think because they got 10,000 people in their Facebook group they're a movement you're not 10,000 is not a movement it's a fucking parade okay that's a parade there's 7 billion with a b people in the world you have 10,000 people in your Facebook group all right do the math you're a parade okay the majority all over the world are just people trying to figure it out just trying to figure it out and I'm here to be a voice for those people and say, sitting back, hoping things will work out, trusting things will be okay, saying things like, it usually comes back to center. How's that working for you? <laughs> it's not. We've been doing that for a long time. It's time to take back control. The true majority of people, let your voice be heard, speak up, speak out, push back, and tell the extremists on either side, shut the fuck up. Well, I'll tell you, if there's any album that could define that, that's Leave a Scar. It's a, been a fantastic album and all of those emotions of rage and just pushing against all of this that people are trying to soapbox people into, it, it comes through clear. And I'll, I just want to say, D, it's been fantastic getting to talk to you this throughout these last 20 plus minutes. I wish you safe and I can't wait to see you on the stage, hopefully in 2022. Right on. Thank you. Thank you for all the kind words. And I'll see y'all out there. All right. We'll be back. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day all with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.